0: Hello, and welcome to the Rubber Duck Dev Show. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Creston.
0: I'm Thiago. And today we are excited to have our new friend Thiago with us to talk about the complexities outside of code. Uh, developers deal with a lot of stuff, and, and we're usually thinking about code, but there's a, there's things that go on outside of the code that we have to deal with, so we're going to talk about some of those today. Uh, but before we get into that, we can review. Creston. how was your week?
1: So pretty exciting on a personal front, and then i also talked about some professional fronts. So, um, I did some... I did a tree-climbing, zip-lining excursion. I talked about it on the show last year, last October, and I did it again this year, but this one I did the whole gauntlet of doing the yellow level, the green level, the blue, the black diamond, the double black diamond. So they did their most difficult course all the way through. And multiple times I said, i ain't gonna do this. I'm good <laughs> I was ready to quit. The guy says, no, it's it, this it gets easier. If you could climb up this last, you know this steel rod with wooden pegs in it, you could finish. Like, oh, <laughs> so I ended up doing it, but yeah, that was that was a struggle, but a lot of fun, can but you... I definitely felt it days afterwards. I in terms imagine. of, yeah, in terms of professional front, um, so I am still working on my Postgres course, and I'm at the point where I actually want some feedback. So uh, if you are potentially interested in a course that teaches uh, basically performance optimization of Postgres, uh, basically I do Postgres consulting and it's kind of taking what I do in terms of climate engagements to make their server run more efficiently, Uh, do query optimization, things of that nature, maybe schema change suggestions. If you're looking for something like that in a course to learn more about how to optimize Postgres, uh, I'd actually like to talk to you. And in the link for the description of this video, I'll put a link that you can uh, like send me your email and we can coordinate and set up a Zoom discussion because I'd like to have a discussion with kind of what you would be looking for if you're interested in a Postgres course. Uh, cool. But other than that, w- what about you, Chris? So, yeah,
0: I was I was actually really excited when Tiago reached out to me about doing this topic because this was actually his idea to talk about this. Uh, because it was really it was really kind of kismet because last week it was announced that the division my that I work for in our company just bought our biggest competitor in the market, and so we're integrating all those folks and their and all their product and all their customers. Um, and you know this is a large team of people they're, they're as big an engineering staff as we had so we're doubling our engineering staff um, overnight and so there's a lot of complexities outside of code that i'm having to deal with and will have to deal with so uh... i'm i'm really excited to have this discussion because it's really going to be impactful i think for what i'm actually doing in my job right now um, so i i'm i'm excited to to get um to hear what what you got to say about this thiago um but how about you how was your week so my week was
2: pretty great i i am releasing some uh open source work that i have been working on for a long time and i am just finished off with a few, with a lot of tasks that that i had been pushing towards the very Uh, m parts and i'm just done with all of them so uh, i'm really excited last thing i was working on was um showing terminal colors on the uh uh, showing hex uh hex colors on the terminal uh i had to draw a whole spectrum with 240 colors uh, and find a way to show them with uh, as the foreground and the background uh, really interesting it was something that I always knew where it was and how to do, it, but I had never taken the time to figure out those little ASCII codes that you have to do. Yeah, so it was a lot of
0: fun. Cool. Well, it's nice to to kind of depart from our normal work days and do something a little different to to work our brains differently. Um, So yeah, so I'm excited. <laughs> Chago, thanks for joining us today to talk about this. Uh, And thanks for bringing this topic up. Yeah. Um, So we're talking about the complexity beyond the code, right? So as developers, we're constantly dealing with complex code, trying to find ways to make it less complex, streamline it and stuff. Um, And we're good at that, right? Most developers are really good at at finding complexities in code and, and dealing with those things. But then we have complexities in life and, and the stuff around the code, and a lot of developers aren't very good at dealing with those things. Um, me included. Uh, and, and, but we, we have to, and we should think about those things. So um, so let's get into it, Chago, What What is your thinking on why is this important to think about the complexities outside of code as a developer?
2: Uh, we love Ruby, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we work with Ruby because Ruby on Rails is built on it. Yeah, right. And after, after a few years with Ruby on Rails, uh, we start playing with other frameworks and writing other... Uh, using other gems that don't necessarily work in the Rails environment and things like that. And we begin to notice that the language itself, it's it's much more complex than we think but at the same time it's that way because so that it can be simpler mm-hmm. so being attenuated with the the complexities of the language that you're working with is something just uh that's going to give anyone an, an amazing extra depth in in the effectiveness and how they can work uh along which is something that i really don't see a lot in the, in the ruby communities people are usually getting distracted by learning react uh instead of instead of uh, getting good where they are already good at
0: and i think that's a real shame so that's one thing right um see that oh yeah oh absolutely i mean there's there's the ecosystem around not just ruby but just development in general is so vast that there's a lot of things to get distracted with um and i know my brain tends to work that way i'll I'll be like, squirrel, go work on this thing, and squirrel, go work on this thing, you know? Um, and I get, I tend to get bored with stuff that lasts too long. And so I, I do a lot of, my brain does a lot of jumping, which is not the most efficient thing to do. But, um, but yeah, it's, and then I, I have trouble, I struggle with uh, dealing with those complexities in between the code, right? Mm hmm. Um so and you had talked about when we were having the the discussion right before the show you'd brought something out, uh, up that I had never really thought about and I'm interested to to kind of hear about this but you said um you know take the complexities outside of the code your life complexities and turn them into code look at them as you know nested for loops and and evaluate them that way because that's how we're used to evaluating things as developers um so so, kind of introduce that concept and walk me through that a little bit, and then we'll we'll do a little exercise here with the with the editor and and take a look at it.
2: So, so I remember back when I was back when I had my first job, I actually started a company, and so we had a consultant that knew all the database stuff, for instance, and I learned from him that in order to be able to be effective on the database, you have to know completely different. Techniques and styles of writing the SQL code so that it would work fast because if I were if I were to try to use my standards Techniques that I was used to that that wouldn't work. That would be inefficient. and that shocked me a little because uh, uh, th- Then I learned that oh not only I have to worry about the, the language that I know which was at the time Pascal with the dotnet framework, but I also had to know all this SQL stuff and I had to know some specifics on how to be effective, in uh, at least sometimes, for more complicated stuff. And those seemed like too many roles apart that I had to, to juggle with. And I just thought, oh my God, this is going to be so hard. Right. And we, we, we got by. Right. Yeah. We got by. Uh, and... And then they and then there came more languages, and then there came more techniques, and then there came more styles and paradigms and principles, and just a lot of people in your head skewing you towards uh, going through different perspectives, mm-hmm. which is great if you're building a life as an engineer because you're gonna get all of those. But the problem with that is that you tend to favor the one that you learned about that that you learned about last. Mm-hmm. So. If if you've just been learning about functional, I'm I'm taking a Lisp course right now. It's amazing. Yeah, Uh, Lisp is an amazing language. I had no idea it was so beautiful. Um, I I was used to concepts, but I but I had not not really used the language. And it's interesting because it invites you to thinking in different ways. And then you want to explore. Then you want to expose part of those uh, thought processes as your code. And that the person who's reviewing your code on the company, he's taking a class in oh. And for you, oh oh we sold five years ago. You right. should all be learning functional. And we completely ignore that they've been here since the seventies. It's not new, it's right. just new for me. Right. So I'm excited about it. It's new for them. So they're excited about it. And we're fighting. Yep. Why? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and and that gets in the way of happiness, you know, when you're a developer. It just gets in the way of having a happy team that everybody uh, agrees to work together. Right, and it's hard to do those things, uh, I- even in the team, even even with even within the code, and just in, in conversation. That's where agile comes in and, and helps us uh, by allowing us to to uh, adjust as we fit uh, based on based on some uh, regular uh, on some. Uh, basic principles on how we're going to deliver. And so, and, and there's also a layer in the, in the industry where a lot of people tend to overly structure uh, agile development and that mm-hmm. tends to create more problems than it solves for yeah. developers and the developers feel it. And you know, they they're trained to optimize for things. And mm-hmm. then they having to deal with an environment that is not optimized, or at least it's not optimized to their perspective, which both can happen. Yep. And and, and that's something. And that's something that that slowly uh, erodes the ability of the team to work together because then it's then you start developing patterns where you're just more defensive about the way they write your code.
0: mm-hmm Well, and I think uh, so that's uh, you, a big you, one. <laughs> yeah, you bring up a good point about patterns too. And I think there's there's a thing that I've noticed Chris and I often talk about how long we've been doing this and that, that, you know, we keep seeing the pendulum swing back and forth on all kinds of different things like dumb terminals and smart terminals and the, you know, the methodologies and OOP and all this kind of stuff. Um, and I guess from your bio, you've been doing this a couple decades now. So um, I think, would you agree that it's kind of hard to see those kind of patterns early on in your career? Cause you're, I think you're so focused on exploring and learning that you're not really paying attention to those kind of patterns, overall, and it takes some some time to get the ability to kind of step back and see those patterns develop over a long period of time. Um, mm-hmm. So, were you kind of aware of those things early on in your career, or is it something that you had to to kind of wait to be able to see those patterns? This is
2: this is a sensitive. Topic, because the true cruel brutal honesty is that everybody has to go for those things mm-hmm. and everybody has the same ideas oh it's me I'm the problem yeah. I'm the one who doesn't know how to how to deal with this 300 different words that people are juggling and they seem to have no hardship with and then you, you you begin to notice that it's very much like going to a different country and having to listen to people talking about the actors in their country which you know nothing about them yeah you know nothing about their lives you know nothing about the lives of the actors in your country why would you care about that? right <laughs> and the <laughs> politics and everything and, and you just oh it's not about me it's it's just the way things are mm-hmm. so
0: it, it, it takes a little while but yeah quickly <laughs> yeah so um so let's take a look at, and you can kind of walk us through, because I, I do good with with diagrams and writing things on the whiteboard and stuff. Let's take a look at this, at kind of walking through your idea for for loops as working on complexity of life things. So we've got a little yeah, so, nested for loop here.
2: So the, the the nicest thing that you can do about a loop, if you're teaching programming to beginners.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, is you can think about how you're going to, to draw all, all the cards from one to six or something like that. So you can do 1 four and that's its own uh, thing. And then you can also do an array uh, and you can and you learn how to connect those two ideas of the array and the, and the, uh, the four. Uh, something that you can also do is that you can work with recursiveness, and you can use the stack of the language as that array, which mm-hmm. is something that you kind of have to learn that it's there. You, you People teach you how to do it, and they don't really teach you about the details. But later on, we find out that it's there. And what ends up happening is that the code is not just those little loops. The code is a little bit more. And if the code was small, if it was one for loop, one line of code, one for loop, one line of code, one for loop, you could manage four to five nested loops easily in your mind Mm -hmm. but the problem is that it's not just that so when you're studying algorithm uh, algorithms formally you're you're thinking that oh one of those four loops is going to be is going to go way out of hand uh, at some point later on and that's going to cause a problem Mm -hmm. okay so i should add uh, a little extra piece of code right in the beginning that checks if that if that loop Uh, if that number is not too high, it's not above a certain number because you've decided, so that it warns the developers, hey, there's something happening, maybe you want to check on something there. So let's say you write that code that way. Mm -hmm. Then the person who's doing your code review, he's going to look at that, he's going to say, oh, this is useless. No, it's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. It's there for a reason because you agreed with this person, that person, that other person that's going to come this way and this is how you can deliver the code the fastest. So they're pinpointing Big, uh, on little trivial details that doesn't really change anything. And the reason why they're doing that is because the GitHub interface, love GitHub, the GitHub interface invites you to comment on every single thing that you see. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that creates stress. Why? Why are we doing this to ourselves uh, as an industry? And, and honestly, I have no answer for that. Yeah uh so that so that's so that that's one way to look at it uh the other way is that there's more there's not just the, the four loops there's just a lot of lines of code that are going to be in between and that's going to make the code complicated and you won't even be able to understand it later right. so there are many different ways to break apart that code and then and then we have life where you go through some of those complicated things and then there are many ways to, to break those and, people, and we need all sorts of strategies to to be able to figure those out. And the people around us need to
0: be aware of those strategies. They need to agree that those strategies are the best. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Yeah, well, buy-in is important, especially when you're going through change. Like, That's one of the things about change management is you can tell people how they're going to do things, but it's much easier if you can get them to almost have it as their idea and buy into it. Mm-hmm. Then they'll do it themselves. Um, mm mm-hmm so yeah agreement and consensus is definitely uh, a big big part of of that which is so so hard to do
2: when you're working with multiple remote teams working on the same code base and multiple code bases that all interact with each other with mm-hmm. microservices because somebody had that idea <laughs> damn <laughs> it <laughs> I, I i hate the way to do microservices oh God. i hate it. it's such an interesting concept such an interesting concept. Oh, it works great on a whiteboard. Yeah. But, oh. <laughs> it, it's, uh, I, always look, I always look at this kind of problems as this. Oh, if this wasn't a whiteboard, if this wasn't a piece of paper, you could understand it. But in practice, it's not. Right. So why are you planning for things that way? And, exactly. and, I, and I can't find an answer to, to, that, to that question other than it's not just someone's fault. There's nobody evilly skimmishing against the company or anything. No, it's just that that thing, JWT, sounded amazing. I mean, look at all the things that you can do that you never have and never will. Right. And and I've seen a lot of companies around that time just changing their their authentication token to JWT and you're asking them why. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you're asking people basic things about what JWT can do, like the whole encryption thing, you can you can encrypt a hash in it and stuff. And people have no idea that the thing is there, they just think it's more secure. Right. It's not. It's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just, you know, people have good ideas, and if you sit and think about things, it's it's great to work stuff out on a whiteboard. Sometimes it's gonna work in reality, and sometimes it just isn't. Like mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say that's kind of how I feel about Cucumber, <laughs> but that's a that's a different show. <laughs> we have to talk about Cucumber. Yeah. Jim BDD, check it out. Yeah, well, I agree with Later. BDD, but... Later. Yeah. yeah. Um, let talk about Cucumber some other time. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right, so so if you were going to deal with a complexity outside of code, let's let's go through, I'd be really interested to kind of go through an example. What would that, give me an example of how you would deconstruct a a real, um, a real life complexity into a code-based thinking. Let's talk about
2: something that happens way too often in the company that I'm working for. Um, If you need anything related to access to a different code base or anything like that, you can call the day off, because it, you, you have to send it to a different team and they have to give you access for that and you're just not gonna be able to get anything done today. So you can call the day off. So if I come to work and once a week I need something else, that's one day that I'm not gonna be working, I'm gonna be just get the meeting, ask for that thing, and then nobody expects me to do anything right if you had a sleep statement with 24 hours around that four (laughs) one of those four statements you would be you would be insane but that's exactly what we're doing so that yeah yeah just 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 inside that four somewhere all right right. so when it gets to those scenarios where 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 you need to wait for a whole day where where one person needs to wait for a whole day that person will not get anything done, and that is sadly what what happens where I work. It's not that they want to do it; it's just that it's ended up becoming that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that that's upsetting, <laughs> right? Um,
0: does anything like that happen with you? Oh, it it happens with us quite a bit. We actually, because we're a global company, like there's a division in Poland that we work with Mm -hmm. so if we have to give if we have to ask them a question about what they're doing we can't get an answer back till tomorrow right so there's you know huge delays in communication and that's problematic because we get this exactly yeah uh imagine trying to do a podcast that way (laughs) Ah, yeah i know
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh cresson you're often quiet you're awfully quiet what are you thinking about
1: no, no, I'm just listening. Uh, Absorbing. I, 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 it, with regard to this, I don't have a, uh, I'm a little bit different in that I don't have as many people I work with. So my delays aren't necessarily internal to the organization, but it's interactions with clients. So, you know, I have to send a communication and need to wait for something to come back. But, you know, this brings an interesting point of asynchrony and how asynchronous programming lets a lot of stuff happen. So as opposed to just sleeping one thread, basically you send something off and then you do a bunch of other stuff on the side until things come back, so. Yeah. And that's what I have to do with my client communication because, you know, I, I have no control over when they'll get back to me with stuff. So I basically just Send it out and just wait for things to come back to me. Be...
2: Does it sometimes feel frustrating? That, um, you ha- that you have to remember that stuff for so long so they can continue the conversation, for instance?
1: Um, sometimes it's a little frustrating if I have things that are hanging out in a waiting state and I'm waiting for something for them to complete. Uh, yeah, like, like you, it would you be know great that to be. That able thing
2: to... is gonna look bad on you if you delay but it's, it's not, not on your me. Fault. They're,
1: they're the ones that have, <laughs> haven't gotten back.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I get a little frustrated sometimes because I, I I want my delivery to look good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes because of outside uh, sources, uh, that can happen, and
0: uh, it happens. Yeah. But, well, I also get frustrated with it with. You know, because there's a lot of stuff when you've got a lot of different projects going on and you're working on a project and you have to ask somebody about this and get some feedback on this thing you're working on. If you have to wait and jump to some other project in the meantime, all that brain power for context switching is wasted. And then at some point you have to go back to that other project and get your brain back into it. So you're wasting more energy and time Uh, because you couldn't get an answer to keep pushing that project forward. Mm -hmm. So that's where I get frustrated with things, yeah. Yeah, I I I get frustrated when I have to work on two things. Yeah,
2: Uh, When they're related, it's great. When they're not related, it's awful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is like, I also, like I get up to a certain point and maybe I send something to a client waiting to hear from something. Or it doesn't have to be a client. I've started a job, and I know it's going to take 12, 16 hours, some amount of time to get done, and then I can go back once it's done its thing, and I can finish up. But the thing about it is, as you were saying this, Chris, and Tiago said his thing, I think I basically my brain maybe has a four-core processor, so I can only do four (laughs) four threads at once. So if I get to the point where I have things going in parallel even though I'm not thinking about it I know I can't put anything more on my brain because I then won't be ready to deal with the other things that are happening like I can't paralyze myself to an eight core or a 12 core processor because <laughs> it just won't work
2: it's like garbage collection right yeah
1: yeah <laughs> I basically have to step away and just say all right I'm just I can't Put another thing on my processor bus. I got to just wait till this thing comes back. All right. Then I'll just continue because it, yeah. it is an incentive. I want to keep working, but I know once I have so many things in parallel, I'm like, okay, I can't start another thing. I just got to do something else, take some time, take a walk, whatever, wait for this thing to finish, and then I can continue working.
0: So, so how how do you mitigate stuff like that those kinds of situations how do you how do you approach the thinking to start moving um past that or i mean you're never going to get rid of things like that right life is full of weird crap that happens um and and things that are frustrating i mean it's just that's just life uh but there are things that you can do a lot of times to kind of mitigate or minimize the effects of that so so how do you do that When I'm the manager,
2: which uh, I'm not always, uh, I like there to be two meetings per day. Uh, the stand up in the, uh, early in the morning, and then a quick get together, something like 20, 15 minutes, kind of just leave the, the room open around that time. You come in and you say hi to people and check if anybody's gonna need you for anything, if this or that. Uh, so that you can have the extra time where you're going to be working on on more focused things, mm-hmm. and that's not something that you can always do because sometimes the, the 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 team structure is not going to accommodate that. But that is what I try
0: to do. Right. Um, and so, in terms, go, I was so going to say. In terms
1: of, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, not bad.
0: So it sounds to me like your your big thing is just improving communication, uh, so that people can make sure everybody's understanding the same thing and and just communicating better yeah just 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 creating
2: more opportunities for communication mm-hmm. it tends to help it tends to help you know, the, the the problem is when you don't create those, those opportunities so that you know because that person was working a little bit more on that thing or because they took a little bit of a bigger break on that time then they missed that person and then they're going to have that feeling of oh I need training for more hours. I need more context on this. I'm lost. What, what you what you want to avoid is you want to avoid every single person in the team for feeling that of getting that feeling that they're lost. If they're having that feeling, then that that thing is go, is gonna uh, eat off the quality of the product that they're delivering. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Well, right. logically, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and then we see that a lot, right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. So what were you going to uh, say, Christian?
1: No, I was going to say, um, in terms of mitigation strategy, I mean, this may be going back a little bit, but in mitigation sure. strategies of when you have multiple things in parallel, what can you do to minimize um, it disrupting your workflow is, I don't do this, but I just thought it might be a good idea, is actually writing down and documenting kind of where you're at for an item. Like if you are in the quote unquote flow state and you've just completed something, you send off that task, maybe document where you are and what the next few steps are once it comes back to you 24, 48 hours later, whatever it is, so that you know when it comes back, then you will be ready to jump on board and just do what the list tells you to do as opposed to having to remember what the heck was I supposed to do with this?
2: So exactly. if you were going through a labyrinth and you had checked some of the rooms, you you would write down a back trace of where you were last time so that you know which places you've already uh, been through and you can get up to speed faster.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about the fact that I think support teams are really good at this because they use a ticketing system and they they keep they document all the steps that they're doing. Well, good support teams anyway. Um, they'll document all the steps that they're doing because they know that I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to send back a question to the customer and put this aside and go work on 15 other tickets. So I gotta know what I'm coming back to when this customer finally decides to respond seven days, seven months, seven years later, whatever it is. Because, you know, a lot of times, especially in bigger businesses, um, you you know, support has to deal with, oh, this is an emergency right now. Okay, well, let me ask you this question. And then it's not an emergency again for 15 days. And then all of a sudden it's an emergency again. Um, so they're really good at that. And then Chago, you, you brought up, you said the word backtrace and that, made me really think about maybe that's what developers need. They need a kind of a life back trace. Some way to, to keep track of that. Um, we need their... to
2: make a startup for that
0: with AI. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, we're used to reading those, and that's how we figure out what happened in our code. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what I we're mean good no- normal people call it checklists. That's what they call it. Yeah,
2: but... who? <laughs> Normal people, we, we call it normal people. <laughs> we call it der, we devs. That's what we do. <laughs> right. But it's hard. So, so, so you, you could reflect that as saving the state of where you were in the process on, on a piece of paper sometimes. I like paper. Yeah. Uh, if I write something down somewhere online, I'll, I'll tend to forget where it was so unless I have a very clear structure of things that I'm keeping up with. So then I have to deal with the complexity of keeping that up. <laughs> So mm-hmm. it's hard and the company doesn't always accommodate that and i can't really get bogged down with enjoying one thing because first maybe that thing's gonna go away second maybe that thing's gonna get rebranded and they're gonna change everything i'm talking about you skype <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> uh, and, and so the, the the sad thing is that we have to just go back to our biology classes and realize that we are the most adaptable, horrible
0: creature on this planet. Mm -hmm. And we have to strive to make the best out of it. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you, you kind of touched on something a little earlier too, that I, that I've been a big proponent of, and I think is, is very lacking in a lot of dev environments and that, especially larger ones. And that is communication. I think devs typically are very bad as a whole, at communicating. We talk to computers. We're not as good at talking to people a lot of times. Um, and I think that that's a, a skill that we should probably be pushing more for devs, encouraging them no. to... No, no, you don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Really? I used to, but I don't think so anymore. Why really? uh,
2: so my family moved to the States a few years ago, and we, we look at life as... Uh, as a decision-making tree, as an everlasting decision-making tree. And I was like, okay, so I can fight the system to get back to the States or I can wait and go with the fam- with the family green card. Mm-hmm. What do I do in between? So I went on to get a doctorate degree because, right? I mean, that, that's probably the last time they're gonna have the time to do it, so I'm gonna do it. Yeah. So I went back to just studying more and just taking extra classes. There's a bunch of stuff from Harvard and MIT and Stanford. Online, that that everybody can benefit from. There's a lot of great stuff on programming languages. I wish there was a whole course on Ruby. Uh, yeah. But those are great. And what what we end up seeing is that all the sciences pretty much study the same things. It's just that they have extremely different names for for those. And computer science in particular. I don't I don't mean computer science, but I mean modern, uh, modern, realistic, and 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 uh, effective uh development much like uh focusing on ruby on rails and, and instead of trying to go for all the shiny js and backend things that, that are that are out there uh f- focusing on, on on things tends to be uh, a great thing if you're trying to get away from the from from ha- having too many things to deal with uh,
0: what was I saying i lost myself why we, why we Question shouldn't was communicate more um for developers anyway so yeah so why we shouldn't communicate
2: uh so it it turns out that the way the way we've actually evolved i I've, i've had i've struggled this a good part of my life because it looked like when you're growing up you're kind of learning how to be a person. Mm -hmm. you 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 kind of tend to see that a lot of people are spending a lot of time mostly mostly women uh, the the plays tend to be around uh, social communication Mm -hmm. so you you tend to see that a lot of people spend a lot of time investigating how other people behave in certain situations so that's why you have the TVs and the magazines about the life of the Royals and the famous and that person did that she said what oh my god that's admissible and then you create the extra layer of complexity in society which is that you have to be aware of what all those different actors that you never that i never hear about some people follow those uh, spectacularly uh and, and they have to be aware of everything that's going on in their lives and then you don't live your life for god's sake right um uh, but most importantly it's the it's that we, we get into that idea that other people follow that stuff too I spend a lot of my time studying. I spend a lot of my time watching talks, watching uh, Mm -hmm. conferences, uh, that kind of stuff. So in my head, I don't understand how people can spend so much of their time to social stuff. But the reality is that our brains evolved to both manage complicated hunting scenarios where we Mm -hmm. have to make quick thinking and calculate little things here and there all the time, so a lot of geometry. And it also evolved for us to be able to retract and to be calmer and to live in society. Actually, if you take a uh, 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 if you take a parallel view, there, there have been studies about this and, and all the primate species out there, and you see specifically how, how the size of their brains and how that thing or that thing, uh, size of their arms, whatever, all little things, you can see that there's a direct correlation between certain parts of the brain. Mm-hmm. And the number of individuals that they can have in the same tribe. Mm-hmm. The problem is, you're using the same parts of the brain to compute complex, uh, to compute any sort of complexity, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stuff that you need to focus on. So if, if you're focusing on the code, you are not going to be as socially responsible, uh, responsive, as if you were not focusing on the code. Well, and then you're going to have yes. one, of those, one of those context shift moments where you need some 15 minutes to get from one thing to another thing, and then you need 15 minutes to get back. So if you account for that and you want to have free conversations with your developer during the day, you have to account for the fact that you were removing three times 45 minutes from his day just for free 15 minutes conversation. So what you're thinking is an hour is actually three to four hours. Uh, and then you wonder why the code becomes messier the more you talk to the developer. Well, it's because you're right. making them do context
0: context. Well, and I was switches. earlier just bitching about context switching and how it's frustrating. So, um, yeah, I get that. I, I think what I'm talking about is not, not as much conversation as communication. And that can be but yeah, yeah. asynchronous. But and Yeah, so what I kind of think works is that you just put the...
2: Uh, Place where people can poke. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there are the times that people are going to be together and there are the times that people are going to be asynchronous. And those are the rules. So people can follow them and agree. Yeah. And if they don't like them, they can adapt. But when there are no rules,
0: oh. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think that's a good point too is that I've come into a lot of situations, especially at larger organizations, where they don't have good processes and policies in place to deal with this stuff and so it's a wild west show and every developer is kind of doing their own thing the way that they want to do it and they've got their own little you know google docs folder with the way they like to the document stuff and there's no and so i think you know one of the big things to help mitigate this is kind of standardization where if I go and look at your code, you know, that's one of the big reasons, I think, that that things like... And I know there's a lot of people that don't like this, but but linters um, are, are helpful in that on large teams. Because if I go and look at your code, I know what I'm looking at. And I understand it. Because, you know, even formatting is important. I can skim it faster because I know how things are laid out. Um, but they're... they're you know people are get all bent out of shape about oh we hate using linters we hate rubocop because it forces us to do well okay but have a meeting decide what you all want to do and all, everybody do the same thing and it's it's a lot easier to you don't have to spend as much time conversing to communicate the stuff you need to communicate but at some
2: time you kind of have to you kind of have to go back and reiterate that thing once a month ish so that yeah. people are always on the same page because there's gonna be new people coming in. Yeah. And they're gonna be people coming out. And much like the example that I gave you on on you going to a different country and realizing that people are in the middle of a of a, a big political conversation or a conversation about what those actors are doing in their lives and this and that and you're just like I don't follow that. I don't know what you're talking about. It's right. not that I don't understand the words you're saying, it's that I don't know who these people are. I agree she is a B, but i don't
0: know who she is exactly (laughs) um i mean i guess if you're a journalist for that thing it's something you pay attention to but devs not so much and and then you you when when you look at things ecologically
2: uh i i love the word ecosystem uh you realize that people are going to mimic behaviors and people are going to do things that are more cost-effective than things you are going to do. So for instance, you can see that there's a lot of scammers who are sending you messages that you want to reply to. Mm -hmm. Why? Those messages are tailored to get you to engage, they're tailored to get you enraged. And then what happens? We have social networks that are focused on that, just trying to get you angry, just trying to get it to come back. Uh, If you get distracted with social network, for instance, while you're working with code, Mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to come back with the same speed that you, that you came back yes. and just having your phone around while you're working is a huge uh, waste of time so I was of a more uh, strict ruling uh, that people should leave their phone turned off yeah. while they're working in things complicated like, like development and I, I still like that rule I still use that rule with myself and, and I just think that we are there for a few hours. You have to be respectful of people's times because that's when the opportunities uh, for more things arise, even, even if those things are just keep doing good at the company. And if those things are just getting yourself ahead and, and preparing yourself for promotion the company, you have mm-hmm. to be there yeah. to, to be able to do that. And, that's yeah, and that's... That I, I see a lot missing
0: people. Right. And I, I think that's one of the big out... <sighs> complexities outside of the code, too, is that, like, we use Slack at our company, and that... uh, God, I'm starting to hate Slack, because it's just constant ping, 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 and I can't... So, what I've started doing is just putting it to sleep for four or five hours so I can get a, you know, a consistent brain on something that I'm working on and not be tempted to look at that thing every 15 minutes. I just... Had to shut it off because it's. While it's it's great at communicating, it's also really bad at interrupting. And you know, I think that's what you're talking about with the social media too. Is it, you can fall in that same trap with Twitter and Facebook and and all those social media things. You just get stuck on all this pinging back and forth. Yeah,
1: now so you've got double for, for the instance, developers.
0: Uh, go ahead. I no, was
1: saying now he has double the developers in his company.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, you take a look at, for instance, here's a very classic case. Uh, let's say you have a girlfriend, and she sees that you logged on to that app that you used to communicate with. Why did you, lo- why did you log at that in that app in that particular time? It was because it was through that thing that you had to, to go send a message to somebody, your mother or whoever, and you, t- and you shut off the app. In their understanding, you were talking to people doing that because you—no, you were not. You were you—you were, you were opening it, sending a message, and being getting back and do the things that, that you that you, the responsible person, uh, has to do. But they're thinking something else. Mm-hmm. Much in the same way, that's the way that your that your bosses look at you when they see that you you are away from Slack for between this time and that time. Well, I was drawing the, the sketches for the extremely complicated thing that you want me to do, so I was not touching the mouse. <laughs> so, right.
0: That's
2: so, why. Yeah, what do you want from me? I mean, do you want me to think you and work,
0: or do you want me to play you with You want slack? to have the
2: camera on so you can see me? Sure, right. I, I don't mind, and I'm not complaining. I'm not saying that, oh, no, but it's just that some, sometimes you are really doing the thing you're supposed to do. You're just doing the, the right thing, and people get a wrong impression because of what they saw right or what they think they and yeah and again we are extremely wired for engaging with other people engaging with things so if those things are pulling our attention those are processors that we're losing Mm -hmm. that we could be using to focus on the thing we're focusing on um so that's that yeah uh you were gonna say something Cresson?
1: no i was just following up with what chris said
2: okay so it's interesting because people seem to understand this at some level people mm-hmm. seem to understand uh oh uh, you know when you're growing up some someday your father gets home and he's tired your mom tells oh he's tired don't don't, don't go to him right now people understand those it's right. just that when you are busy trying to work if you say oh i'm tired right now people get a different response. Understanding of that, so you have to, oh no, I'm actually working, but this and that, and then it becomes a whole a, a big conversation. Why make it, why make that a big conversation? So, what we end up developing is little strategies to saying little comforting things that are that justify what we're doing at the time, uh, so that we can more easily navigate. And sometimes that bothers people. Yeah, uh, because they're thinking that oh no, this person has to be on the computer. Yeah. Well.
0: right well and this yeah this kind of always being connected thing and not having uh, just some time to sit and and be with the problem um uh, is is problematic I mean the, the, the distraction factor is way different than it was when I started developing 20 million years ago mm-hmm. um you know we just we didn't and have that
2: so you're say so you're waiting for somebody to ring the bell because there's a package coming and you're mm-hmm. waiting to ring the bell. You're coding, but you're waiting to ring the bell. You need to keep one of your processors a- available, just channeling the-, the general noise, because you have to be aware for the cues that there's going to be something, because you may be, th- you may be distracted. And it's pretty much the same thing for everything else. So um, yeah. it's not a problem that has a solution.
0: Uh, too.
2: Because it's so interesting in the way that, that we are, but I, I think that what helps is that we have agreed upon times that we get to talk. Yeah. That we have agreed upon times that nobody's going to talk to us because you're busy. Uh, right. I, I can't. I can't plan ahead and go spend time with people if they if they make me aware earlier in the day so that I don't plan uh, against that.
0: Right. But it, well, and I think what I'm one of the re- things that I'm really getting out of this conversation is is that and I'm saying this because I'm thinking about what I do on a daily basis, is that the distraction levels end up causing a lot of the complexity that we have to deal with, and we need to reduce our distraction levels. And, you know, you brought up the, the um, example of the doorbell. I'm waiting for the doorbell, and yeah, I have to keep kind of a one-year open for things that are outside of me, but... I think we've gotten to a point today that wasn't like this 25 years ago with with like Slack and stuff and remote work where I have to keep four ears open for four different communication channels and I don't have anything left to put into concentrating on the problem I'm concentrating on. So, I think shutting down some of those communication channels, not not completely, but you know, have times where I'm spending this hour working on project and I think that will fight a lot of the complexity, at least the stuff that I'm dealing with, Um, you know, because I probably spend half of my time context switching every day.
2: And that's which is what I I just gave you three to four conversations and you're half the time busy doing non-work stuff. And the thing is. Deep in yourself, you feel guilty about that. Yep. You feel guilty when that happens. If you really care about your work,
0: you feel guilty. If you don't care about your work, you feel nothing. You feel fine. Right. Well, and if you don't, yeah. then you're probably the one causing a lot of those distractions in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> and and the and the, the, the shitty thing is that
2: the way you feel about that, it's really reflective of the things that you listen to, the people you listen to, and the... the the, the ideas that you, that you allow to get in your head. So if you, if you're watching and talking about new developers now, which it wasn't to this point, if you're learning, uh, about development as this thing that you're going to learn in five days, and you're going to get this big salary and you're going to have this big life and you're going to be traveling all the time. And you, you're going to have time for your family. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Go drive. (laughs) Right. Better off. You're better off. You're going to be able to travel all you want. Um. But the, 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 there's a lot of people who are coming in with that mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's a good thing. I'm not saying that I don't want new developers to come. I think it's amazing that we have new, new people coming. What I, what I think is that people are coming in with a mentality that is not aligned with uh, creating a co- creating and being a part of a cohesive team and helping the team and helping each other and helping one another. Right. Uh, to, so that everybody uh, looks good and the products delivered and the clients are happy and the clients stop complaining to support so the clients stay with the software at a level that you can't even see just because they're happier with the way that the software is catered to their needs right um, so so a lot of things happen in there and we just don't really get to, to experience that, that whole layer so because we don't experience the benefits of having the good software working. And a lot of people have never seen good software before. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we just act on those memories that we have in our head. And those memories of the voices that are talking right now sometimes are trying to sell you an idea that our lives are easy. They're not easy. They're not easy for us. We can make them easy because we're devs, But uh, there's a lot of complication that we have to juggle with every single day and people don't really see it. Yep, and, that's true. And, and, that's, and that's everywhere. But I think that what's happening is that this new generation of people who are being trained in that kind of align better with the way that things tend to create the rigidity in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that creates these environments where you have uh, 300 developers working on the product and nothing's really moving because people keep stepping on each other's toes and they keep fixing the bugs and they keep creating bugs for one another to, to, to fix under those circumstances. Yep. So people who really care about their code and that they're doing, they feel frustrated, they feel mm-hmm. demotivated, mm-hmm.
0: and the people who don't care, they feel fine. Yeah. So what are the incentives that the system's creating? <laughs> right, well, yeah, the, there's a whole thing we're going through internally about accountability and, and ownership. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's some some concepts that we're really trying to instill in people because there's been, a, I think, a generation of people who don't under really understand that very well uh, and what that means and what that does for them. And they don't understand that a rising tide floats all ships. So, if you're helping the team, you're helping yourself. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, I think you and that's probably not a really popular way of thinking, but, you know, I've never been a really popular guy, so it's okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, if, if you listen
2: to Dave Thomas and Marty Fowler and Ken Beck and Uncle Bob, they're, they're all on the side that agility should be a thing, should be more of a sacred, uh, uh, what would be the word, uh, covenant that people have and that they have these structures that are really uh thin and sensitive Mm -hmm. and they can be and they're easily uh they could they could easily break if people don't watch out for those things Uh, and those are the things that allow the team to be productive Mm -hmm. and sometimes because of management that fades away but if you look at it from management perspective they're having something in front of them that looks like that looks like a problem just like we see code we see a problem and they're moving things around to try to fix things so is management really that
0: wrong yeah and I think that's kind of the eternal battle isn't it (laughs) yeah and then that never ends so we will never run out of jobs
2: and people are creating more complexity right now with the help of AI and that's just amazing for us
0: (laughs) right exactly so uh job security something to be said for that yeah uh you just you just have to know how to coach, right so chago we're running up on time but thank you so much for joining awesome. us today um i look I, I really look i really really enjoyed that conversation it it you know sometimes i like to talk about things that aren't just code um and developer stuff and i really enjoy kind of psychology and and team synergies and team environment stuff so um that was a really really fun conversation for me and i I really appreciate you bringing that up and and joining us to to share with us about that um so uh Thank you guys for watching. Uh, If you have any ideas about what you think about how to deal with the complexities of your daily dev life outside of the actual code, let us know in the comments below. I'm really interested to find out what your thinking is, even if it's completely different from mine. I like to to hear different thoughts. Um, And we will be back. I really like strategies about code reviews, so if anybody could comment on that. Yeah, code reviews. What do you guys do about that? that's a thing that I have to do. And I, Oh, I, I need to call people. Yeah. I need, I need to figure out how to do them better. Um, I sometimes
2: call people and then they approve because then, then they can see, Oh, that's why you had to do it. Okay. I'm not gonna.
0: Right. Um, we'll be back next week with our, our friend Coda is coming to join us. We're going to talk about burnout uh, and how to deal oh, with burnout. So that'll be a, a lot of fun. That comes with complexity. Yeah, exactly. The, the after effects of this show we're going to talk about next week, um, so uh, yeah, really fun. Um, if you did enjoy this, please like and subscribe. That really helps us grow the channel. Um, the The best thing you can do for us, though, to help us out, is to tell all your wonderful friends about us and and share some links and show them this this wonderful conversation with Chago. Um, we will. Uh, be available on uh, rubber duck dev show at gmail.com or you can reach out to me on Twitter x whatever the hell it is now at ducky dev show. Um, and uh, you can also join our discord and say hi to us there. So, which is called the duck pond, yeah. Join us on the duck pond, um, it's really fun. Um, so still growing but having fun doing it uh chago thank you again for spending time with us uh we know time is a gift and we very much appreciate the gift of yours um so i thank you if anybody wants to keep talking about complexity and
2: anything related to what we talked about uh you can reach me out on twitter or x uh i still call twitter (laughs) yeah Uh, my
0: my link is here somewhere should be yeah we'll put it in the show notes um, and uh, we will see everybody next week, all right. And until then, happy coding, happy coding, very Bye. happy
1: coding.